Boy, it was fun being at the USF Softball Stadium on Sunday. The Bulls, over the weekend, got the swing victory against Michigan on Friday. We played on Friday's show the highlights from quite different games to start the season where the Bulls had to go to the ninth inning before scoring their first run and winning 1-0 in walk-off fashion against Illinois State and then got the combined no-hitter from the two freshmen on Thursday night against Bethune-Cookman. 10-0 was that final score. They took down Michigan thanks to Peyton Dixon, the redshirt sophomore against a team that was receiving votes in the preseason polls. And by the way, a team that turned around and beat the Florida Gators. And Dixon shut them out across seven innings. A three-hitter struck out two, didn't walk anybody. And the only run came home in the fifth inning courtesy of UCF transfer Olivia Elliott scoring Ryan Eigeman. The Bulls got the dramatic victory. And I thought from there they would be able to carry it over to an Oregon State team that again last year finished well below 500. But Oregon State popped the Bulls for five runs in the sixth inning. Bulls actually had the bases loaded with one out in the bottom of the sixth. Could have made it interesting, but stranded those bases loaded and lost 7-1 to one in that game. So the Michigan win meant the Bulls were going to have a winning weekend, but to beat the Florida Gators was going to be a tall task. First of all, the Bulls haven't done it since their College World Series team back in 2012. They've lost 26 in a row, and on Sunday with a big crowd of Gator fans there, it was a beautiful day for softball. They were playing back-to-back games, and by the way, after losing to Michigan, they put up a couple of Double-digit runs against Illinois State, a 12th spot, and then early Sunday afternoon, how about 16 against Bethune-Cookman while pitching a perfect game. They have three freshman pitchers, and the one that the Bulls face is definitely the toughest one, Keegan Rothrock. She's the one that took a loss, even though she did not give up an earned run in 10 complete innings against Michigan. That was on Saturday, and she had the Bulls flailing in the first two innings. Uh, She struck out five, but... Credit South Florida, only two more strikeouts the rest of the way. However, the Gators just have too much. They added a player from Louisville who was an All-American who hit 414 last year with 10 homers by the name of Corby Otis. She also went 23-24 to on steals. Of course, they have Kendra Falby at the top of the lineup. They have Skylar Wallace who has now 43 career homers after taking one deep in this game and hit 449 with 19 homers last year. They added a catcher from Oklahoma who's pretty good. Jocelyn Erickson, yeah, you get the idea up and down the lineup. The Gators are good. And again, a talented freshman pitcher who they had the whole way go against the Bulls. And I tell you, they made her work. It looked like this game was going to be over. And we'll do some more highlights later on. We'll add it for the podcast page along with a preview of tonight's opponent, Kansas. The Bulls did get one run in the fourth inning. And this game could have gotten blown out early. Falby had a two-run triple. And Julia Apostolakos, who got the start for the Bulls, was pulled with two on. Nobody out in the top of the second, and it's 4-0. Bell Sarja comes in and strands both of those runners. She strands the bases loaded in the top of the third, and then the bottom of the fourth, the Bulls get on the board on a blast by Tylee Vaughn. Indeed, as Vaughn hits it to the shortstop, she gets it off the turf. That's a bad throw, and that should score a run for the Bulls. It will. Oh, man, I thought Wallace almost got it out of the air. And you talk about a game of inches. First of all, Vaughn laced that ball. If she catches it out of the air, it's a double play because Rivera had gone off a second. And the throw sails into the outfield. I'm sorry, the Bulls dugout, and it's 4-1. to 
but they strand two runners, and that was really it as far as chance to win the game. Gators would homer, and it looked like they were headed to a run rule until the bottom of the sixth when it seemed like the game was a couple outs from being over. It wasn't. Gators have walked seven times. The ball's won. That ball is ripped to deep left by Drapola, and how about that? A home run by Bailey Drapola. We've been talking about the Bulls hitting the ball, but that one was walloped, 9-2. So the run rule is off the books. This will not be a run rule decision. Drapola, the player who hit 11 homers for Pitt last year in her fifth year playing college ball, looks like a pretty good pickup there in center field for South Florida. Now, again, that extended the game to the seventh inning, but when the Gators were looking like they'd do something similar to what they did earlier in the day with eight in the fourth against Bethune-Cookman. They had three in and nobody out in the top of the seventh. You were wondering if that was actually a good turn of events because it could have gotten really ugly when it came to the final score, but Apostolakos actually came back in and kept it to 12-2, and then the Bulls got a really cool sequence of events with some pinch hitters, including some sisters, in the bottom of the seventh. Some people that have been here working every single game this weekend, sure this is a disappointing outcome, but it's just awesome to be able to have such an event. And Wilkes sends it up the middle. I know that Ken Erickson's a fan, and I could see why. That was an excellent job for her first career hit. Way to go, Alex. Hang on to that softball. Oh, that ball is lined to right, so it gets by, and I think Beavis is gonna score on this play. Why hold her up now? Come on around with another run for the Bulls. And it's a great inning for the Wilkes sisters. How about that? 12 to three is the score, but what a tremendous day if you're a Wilkes. Thought that was cool, and that was the final score, 12 to three. So the Bulls are three and two. They'll play a Kansas team that has been over in Clearwater itself going two, two and one. Lost a close one to Oregon at the Eddie Moore Complex, beat St. John's, lost a close one to Indiana. Run rolled Central Arkansas, and I guess due to Western Kentucky's travel curfew, uh, tied at two in the seventh inning on Sunday, they had to get out of town. The Hilltoppers did. Kansas could have played all day because, again, they are here for one more game before they head over to Leesburg. That's smart traveling if you're the Kansas Jayhawks. Again, we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock for that one. Then Tuesday night, the women are back at home talking about basketball, and we said how... Basically, at the beginning of the show, the two things going on at the same time. Remember we said it was the ugliest first half from an offensive perspective for the women? Try, they were getting shut out in the second quarter, and folks, I thought they were going to get shut out. It was 18-0 in the quarter with less than two minutes to go, and the Bulls had no answers for anything. Temple had a 24-10 lead, but they got a little spark right before halftime. Wilson over to Levy. Baseline jumper, good. And just like that, the Bulls run off four in a row and get it back to 10 points, 24-14. Other way, fast break layup, no good. Bulls look to run and continue this momentum, this newfound momentum out of the timeout. Blasic over to Levy, wants it, drops it in! Romy Levy, I don't know what she heard during that timeout, but good golly, what a run for the Bulls out of nothing. Never has being outscored 18 to seven and a quarter looked so good. So 24-17 to start off the second half and exactly at the same time that the men were hitting their six threes 
against Rice to take the lead stunningly. The Bulls were doing the same thing. But the Bulls get the board, and Ava battles for it, gets it out to Romy. Now Jeanette Arnia wants to drive in and scores. How about that for a development? Carla Brito, or Carlita, as she's being called by Danny Gonzalez, knocks down a three. That's a welcome sight right there. Now they get it right to East, draws up for a three. Boy, that was a heat check of a shot if there ever was one. She didn't need to step back, but she did anyway, just to make it look stylish, and it didn't go down. 30 to 23, with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. At least both teams are scoring now. Romy shovels it over to Ava and drops in a baseline jumper, and the Bulls can't miss all of a sudden, especially compared to how it was at one point in this game they had missed. 13 in a row. They have made three straight. A long three, a brick, and the Bulls get it. Down five with six and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Up the court, Brito converts, and the Bulls have cut it to three. 30 to 27, Ariel Wilson with a fantastic pass. Levy feeling it, drops it in. You cannot feel it anymore than she is right now. The Bulls have the lead. They were down 24 to 10 with less than two minutes to go in the first half. And we're still four and a half minutes to go in the third. An amazing, amazing turnaround in this game. I like them better when they're scoring points, just for the record. That's a tough shot by Piper, a second straight air ball for the Owls. Now Wilson looks to run it the other way. This is a completely different team. It's just amazing. They are calling a play for Levy. They are putting her in the right corner. They are telling Wilson to give her the ball. She's got the ball. Now she dumps it underneath the Ava Max it in! Levy scoring, dishing. Ava, who's having a phenomenal game as well, and the Bulls lead it 37 to 34. They have only made their last eight field goal attempts in this game. And they would lead 47 to 40. Remember the men took a six-point lead, but then Rice had the answer. In this case, of course, you expect Temple to start making some shots. They have been playing very well and have been coming down to the wire in all their games. Oh, in my little end around at the beginning of the show, just to map it out mathematically, I said that both basketball teams had surpassed their first half total well before the halfway point of the second half where the women had 17 in the first half. They were past that five and a half minutes into the third quarter. The men, incidentally, equaled their first half total in just six minutes and nine seconds the second half. But this key moment to me, and again, these moments are happening against the women's team. As the Bulls lead at 53-49 with 320 to go. That's a bad pass, but it's on the deck. Wilson can't quite take care of it, and Gary decides to just go to the basket on her own. That was a terrible pass that landed into the hands almost of a bull, but give credit to Terriana Gary, the senior out of Brooksville, former CDS player and Towson player, and it's back to a two-point game. Enough things have gone the Bulls' way this half, but that could have been Bulls' ball in a four-point lead. Now Arnia wants to get in the hands of Levy with only eight on the shot clock. Gary's playing some pretty good defense on her. Five on the shot, sit, whips it over to Brito. Three, hits the rim, and it's Temple basketball. Owls look to tie or take the lead. That's good defense in the last couple possession for Temple. Got to give him credit. Nelson out there trying to run a play. Hands it off to East, who gets rid of it. Now they swing it around to Gary. Watch her. She's a three-point shooter, but Levy's got those big arms up on her. With 14, she puts it up and knocks it down. Terriana Gary looked her off and drains it, and I think the Bulls are going to get a timeout here. Temple has taken the lead. The Owls have made five in a row, and Gary has hit a couple. Out of the 30-second timeout. 
Bulls trail it by a point. Levy has the ball with 2.05 to go, and there's a double dribble. Don't see that very often, but it was the right call. So the Temple Owls in this game, after the Bulls looked like they had complete control, 47 to 40, we should have known. Remember, they scored those back-to-back -back buckets, then Gary hits a three. The start of that was everything. I mean, I was right down there on the court, and the ball was headed right into Ariel Wilson's hands. Credit to the player for Temple for hustling to the ball. She had not scored a point going into the fourth quarter. And Terriana Gary, who's from Carrollwood Day School, she had made a three a few minutes before that. Next possession, hits a three. So here we are, the Bulls down a point, and then they turn it over. So it's really not looking good at that point. But Temple helped out. And I got to say that just another example of how things just aren't working out. We mentioned how in the loss to Rice, they were making every single free throw. Well, Temple in the second half was... Five of nine at the free throw line and three of seven in the fourth quarter. So they were missing some shots, and yet it didn't matter. Bulls just can't catch a break in a single close game in conference play. Vicki Blasig comes into the contest. She was replaced by Jeanette Arneo. Uh, 90 seconds in to the second half, and she's back out there. We know that she can hit buckets. Now they run a play for her off the bench. Puts up a three, looks off, well off, but Ava taps it to Romy, and she's starting scores! Unbelievable! You talk about just continuing what's happened all night long. Classic, ineffective, but Ava and Romy practically play a two-man game there, and the Bulls have tied it, and Romy Levy can take the lead back for the Bulls with 57 seconds left. Classic checks out immediately. All right, here we go. Leah Nelson. To East, she's been tremendous for them all game long. Has 14 points in the second half. Arnia, they switch off with Ava. Now they force her to bounce out to Nelson with 10. She's a good shooter, cutting in his Piper and fouled and scores. Aveline Lynch's hip hole did not get her money's worth there. And Inez Piper converts. Temple leads it 57-55 with 33 seconds left. Inez Piper. It was a simple layup, and Ava definitely got her full body there. So Piper, who only had four points before that, has not attempted to free throw in this game. This is a pretty important one. She's 11 for 16 on the year. It's a two-point game. Remember, Wills don't have a timeout. That one looked long, and Ariel Wilson flies in for the rebound. So there's one and a half second difference on the shot and the game. Everything comes down to the wire in Temple games, and this is no exception. Bulls can't call timeout to change personnel. 16 on the shot, 17 on the game. Levy far from the hoop. Tough shot, has got to give up the ball. Tough pass, intercepted by the Owls. It is two on one. The Bulls need to foul. They go underneath, and they score. Five seconds left, and that's going to do it. What a tough ending for the Bulls. Good defense by the Owls. Levy puts up a three-point shot at the horn, but it is no good. Wow, excellent game, and the Bulls, I think, you know, if you have a timeout there, obviously you use it. Miss having that timeout for sure. And with that, a 59-55 defeat. Romy Levy, again, outstanding. 25 points, three of nine on three, seven of nine at the line. Aveline Luchaship pulled off of a 16.14 board outing. 19 rebounds. That is a career high. Carla Brito, 12 points. No one else more than two. So the Bulls do get their third score that we've been seeking. But in a game where Vicky Blasig only played 16 minutes, 
She's their leading scorer. Still, but only barely over Romy Levy in conference games, Levy now averaging 18.8, then Blasic 15.2. And in this game, Blasic did not make a bucket and was replaced, as you heard, early in the second half and only came on just to try a shot at the end when she airballed. So I think she'll be better on Tuesday night when the Bulls play Wichita State. One of, in my opinion now, it appear anyway, six straight must wins to end the regular season if the Bulls want to get back into the top four in the standings. They need to finish top four if they want to avoid having to play four games at the AC tournament in order to win the championship. Top four get a bye to the quarterfinals. Right now, the Bulls are tied for eighth with Charlotte, and the reason I think they have to win out, there's just one too many teams ahead of them that's going to have head-to-head on them. North Texas sits atop the league, which you actually don't mind at 8-3. and three. You surrender any chance of a championship now. Rice is 8-4. and four. Again, that's two fewer losses than the Bulls. Remembering any team that has head-to-head with the Bulls has to end up with more losses. So that's two teams alone that have to lose at least three games for the Bulls to jump them. So considering Charlotte has the head-to-head, there are, in effect, eight teams ahead of the Bulls, and they have to jump five of them. Fortunately, they play two of them, Tulsa and East Carolina, who are only a game ahead of the Bulls. Assuming they win both of those, and by the way, those are next week back-to-back on the road, I still think you have to win your other four to be able to jump enough teams. Even what happened on Sunday, which on the surface looked like great news because UAB got handed a loss by UTSA. That's a team the Bulls can catch and would have the tiebreak on UAB. They fall to 8-4. and four. But the team that beat them jumps ahead of the Bulls. You get the idea. It's just a lot of hoping for results to fall perfectly. And when, frankly, you lose two games in a row, that once again, you were ahead by a decent amount in both, even though in Philadelphia, they were behind by a lot before being ahead by seven. You really kind of have to expect what you get, which right now is not a date in the first round of the five-day conference tournament that is reserved for the bottom four teams, but certainly starting on day two, which is where the middle six teams, seeds five through 10 will begin. Talk more about that situation, give you more outlook and full conference standings on the air during the course of our broadcast Tuesday night. The team that comes to the Yingling Center, Wichita State, 7-17, and struggling to get it going offensively this year. They are 12th in the conference at 3-9, and but coming off a win against Florida Atlantic, and they played Temple, that same team the Bulls just lost to in Philly recently and lost at the buzzer on a three-pointer by Tiara East, who probably should mention her name once here. Was the only Temple Owl in double figures, but she was in them with 21 points. Owls were shooting less than 30% before ending the game, making 7 of 8, while the Bulls just hit two buckets in the fourth quarter. Let's tell you about some track and field and some tennis here on the podcast page, as promised. Women's tennis improved to 4-3, and and like the guys on Saturday, a 4-3 victory on Sunday, beating North Texas. They lost the doubles point. And this was a bizarre one. It's happened a couple times this year, actually. That is, you had the singles matches all get decided in straight sets. Usually when that happens, it means one team is winning them all. In this case, the Bulls won four of them. Grace Schumacher at number one singles rolled 6-love, six 6-2, six as did Melissa Senley on the two-court, 6-3 and 6-1. And Gargi Parwar, who had pulled off the final victory recently for the Bulls last midweek against Stetson, in the last match, got moved up to the five court. She clinched it actually right after Ireland Simi had taken her match. This is after Friday when the Bulls, so make it three times in a row, went to the final court and actually lost a conference matchup to FAU, which is a good team, by the way. This time the Owls took the doubles point. Grace Schumacher lost on the number one court. 
Basically, the Owls took the top three courts, while Marta Facelta-Font, Gargi Parwar, and Ireland Semi all won. And again, all the matches went to straight sets, which is just so bizarre to have a situation like that where the team split them down the middle, although a couple were a lot closer. Tie-break wins for FAU at number two and for Parwar at number five. Got to mention, FAU gets a number three court victory of six love, six love, so the Owls deserve that one. The men... Yep, went down to the wire in one of their matches on Saturday. They beat the Eagles twice. Georgia Southern first by the narrowest of margins, 4-3. to three. Bulls earned the doubles point, meaning you just have to split the singles matches. Alvin Todorica, the Bulls' top player, lost his first set but won the other two 6-1 and 6-1. Now, this was a lot closer of a match because the Bulls easily won courts 5-6. and six. That was courtesy of Tom Pisani and Elijah Cham. So they were actually leading 3 nothing. They just had to win one of the last four. But second set tiebreaker, 10-8, goes to Georgia Southern at number two. 6-1 third set win at number four. Bruno Oliveira rallies to force a third, loses the third in 7-5 fashion. But fortunately, Todorica at that time was rolling in his match, as I mentioned, 6-1 in the final set because they let the final match play out and Georgia Southern won it. So 4-3, as close as it sounded, but it was decided at 4-2. After that, Thankfully, a relatively stress-free result, 6-1 Bulls, and again, they let everybody play out their matches. Todorica finished first, and that was in a second-set tiebreaker, so probably closer than 6-1 over FGCU makes it sound. The lone Eagles victory came. Frankly, Bruno Oliveira loses the first set 12-10 in a tiebreaker. Then he lost the second set 6-love, but Everything was pretty decided at that point. So nice weekend for Ashley Fisher's team, which is now 5-3. and three. And excellent tabulations again of another phenomenal weekend for the track and field squad as the regular season of the indoor portion in Chicago wraps up. 16 top 10 posts as far as times or heights or distances. Seven event victories with two of them being for program records in the long jump. Men's standout goodness, Aradia, hit the mark of 752 twice. Again, that's a school record. And the other one was turned in by the men's 4x400 relay of Tashan Bowie, Shavoy Reed, Dante Obanian, and Markel Jones. Zaria Arler's LeBird for the ladies, a double winner in the 400 meters and 200 meters. Jalil Kroll takes the 60 meter dash. I love this note off GoUSFBulls.com. There were eight lanes for the 60 meter finals and the bulls took up half of them and you can see the video i actually retweeted it or reposted it kroll edged abdul rashid samino you can't even tell the difference excellent performances by that team which you hear it being tossed around if you haven't caught it they're thinking conference championship that would be an amazing turnaround and that would be their next meet that's going to do it here for bulls beat on the podcast page thanks for dropping by